Wild. Time for start show. Drogo defeat audience. Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords and ladies. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely. For you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Valadros and the Wyvens. I am your host proprietor, Romande Swarfinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty Sided Theater. Dancing lights! My insufferable bastards spend the next few months traversing the open seas with very little to break the monotony. I shall guide your attention toward a new group of heroes from the far-off land of Rios. <laughs> Funny story, actually. Despite being on the same world as Imanand Gavaran's place of origin, the planet upon which Rio sits is not part of the holy and venerable empire of Aladros and the Wyvens. In any case, it is my pride and joy to reintroduce you to Chip Dipson's Action Town Criers. What's the news, Chip? Thank you, Romande. Tonight's top story involves the invasion, corruption, and cleansing of the oasis at Trudros. Two human females, claiming to be from a cult worshipping the many, have driven away the townspeople so they could meet with us in private. Here's the whiz with more. Those crazy broads wanted to kill me! Back to you, Chip! Although no harm came to the whiz, the two perpetrators are still at large. Here's the Action Town Crier's own Hera Laris with what the authorities are advising. Thank you, Chip. One of these women dresses in blackened half-plate etched with evil runes, and the other woman has a scar running in a diagonal line across her nose. If you see either of these women, do not approach. Run to, yell for, scry at, or otherwise contact your municipal guard immediately. These women are to be considered dangerous, even when unarmed. I heard the following from an eyewitness at the scene, one Engar Flamehand. I have seen a lot of things in my 82 years of life, but I've never seen a woman punch a ghost so hard that she broke his nose. Not until yesterday, that is. Again, if anyone has information on Peldra Cassine, Greston Deep Fathom, or the religious organization known as the Sisters of the Many, Please contact the authorities immediately. Back to you, Chip. Thank you, Hera. We have breaking reports of a group of adventurers now exploring Turdros in hopes of finding survivors of the event. Here's Pinky the Problematic Pixie with more. I don't get it. Why are you guys doing this? Who is this performance for? Adamsko, what are you doing with that crystal? 
How are you even touching it? You're a ghost! I do not know either, but they give me seven gold sovereigns a week to psychically produce copyable scry crystals that I think they send off to other towns and cities. Just play along until they figure out what kind of correspondent you ought to be. Uh, okay. Is this conversation going to be part of the show? I don't know, probably. But we really need to get back to looking for survivors. So the sooner we wrap this up, the better it will be for whatever townspeople are still alive. Just play along, Pinky. Okay! Uh, back to you, Chip! More on this breaking story after a word from our sponsor. Hello, I'm Romande Swarfinde. And I am here to convince you to buy Engar Flamehand's Aging Solution. Are you tired of your mortality? Master Engar Flamehand has developed what he calls a Thomacronal Acceleration Loop in the hopes of avoiding death. You see, on his 80th birthday, Master Flamehand developed a solution that would halt his aging. Or so he thought. It turns out that the potion actually makes him age far more quickly than other beings, but after he turns 89, the magic takes effect and his body reverts to its physical state on his 80th birthday. So, if you're afraid of death and you don't mind eternally looping your life from 80 to 89 years old a few times a week, then you should try Flamehand's Aging Solution today. I am Romande Zwarfinde, and I swear I meant every part of everything I just said. Lords and ladies of my beloved audience, please do recline upon your gilded seats, quaff your libations, and adjust your listening devices to receive the full stereophonic scryocastic selection of sounds that is... The Twenty-Sided Theater. As you wrap up your report, something starts moaning behind you. Give me some spot checks. Oh, oh my. Something blurry this way comes. Perhaps I can whip up a potion of focus so that we can figure out what it is and whether it's friendly. I think your glasses slipped down again, Angar. That thing is clearly a legless skeleton wearing a tattered off-black sheet. Oh my. I believe our newscast took long enough to set up, record, and tear down, but the wraiths were able to overcome their fear of the divine mercy of Paldus the Bright. Ahem. Some of those wraiths were fleeing the overawing power of the Triple Goddess ship. Paldus is kind and merciful, but benevolent sexism is still sexism. Please remember to properly credit all involved beings equally, regardless of sex, gender, or cultural origin. While you guys stand around discussing inclusiveness and equity, the Wraith has drawn close enough to attack the party. It stretches out a clawed, bony hand as two other spirits float into the clearing around the oasis. Chip, look out! By the power of... The Wraith reaches into Chip's chest, squeezing his tiny gnomish heart in its cold, bony clutch. The Cleric of Paldus the Bright takes five points of permanent constitution damage. Back, foul beast, away from my good-hearted and well-meaning companion. Get him, Solstavir. 
Hera swings her engraved side over Chip's head, forcing the wraith to dodge backwards, directly into her golden celestial riding bird's onrushing beak. The phantom hisses in pain, spinning to face Solstafir. Oh no you don't! You do not get to hurt my friend and then walk away. Uh, float away, I suppose, since you have no legs. The vengeful ghost of Adonska Rothgeld bounds across the battlefield. His side blade flares to life as he tackles the wicked spirit. Adonska rolls with his enemy, landing in a crouch with the wraith in a headlock, driving his ghostly armor spikes deep into the ectoplasmic shell of the wraith. You thinking what I'm thinking, Engar? Probably not. I'm searching for the flask of tangibility I whipped up while we were resting. Ah, here it is. Now let me just read the label one more time. Step one, speak keyword. Ah, what was that activation phrase again? Maybe it was mirror images. No, it had something to do with clarity. Because I'm so lightning-witted, and therefore I wouldn't forget the freeze. Then the hell is about a quick or a dancing lights. The six whizzes stretch out their twelve hands, spraying out thirty-five fanning bands of magical energy, plus some dancing lights. Only seven of those rays are real, though. The others and the dancing lights are all just illusions. Huh. Hey, Pally. Do you think it's a problem if all of a sudden my mirror images, who are supposed to be beams of light and magic, are starting to develop personalities and agency of their own? That's a very intriguing question, Wiz. We'll have to run some holy tests on you when we return to civilization to be sure you don't need an exorcism. One of the approaching phantoms stops dead in its tracks, stunned by the beauty of the Wiz's weaving of magical lights and sounds. Meanwhile, Angar makes a memory check. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Now I remember. All of my potion flasks are enchanted with a double casting of contingency. Whenever I speak the activation phrase, it casts True Strike on me and Fragility on the bottle to counterbalance my own poor eyesight and low muscle mass. So, what's the phrase, Amy? Why, naturally, it's, uh, Quick Duck! Engar's potion of tangibility sails through the air with extreme precision, colliding squarely with the solar plexus of the third wraith. The phantom is now anchored on the prime material plane. And since this spirit also doesn't have any legs, gravity takes over and quickly halts the enemy's progress. And now he's prone! That means that all I need to do is flit over here and give him the old coup de Gracie. Pinky, it's pronounced coup de gras. I believe it's gnomish or something. It most certainly is not gnomish. It must be elvish or one of those regional orc languages. Oh, my chest still hurts, but that doesn't stop me from calling upon the radiance of Paldus the Bright to turn these undead. The two remaining phantoms react in immediate pain and fear. One still marveling at the Wiz's light show, and the other still trapped in Adonska's headlock. Neither stays in those positions for long, though, as the godly power of the merciful healer bathes over the rays, destroying them utterly. Hey, I was using that. Now how am I supposed to take out my aggression? Beating up demons, villains, and ghosts is usually how I'm able to keep so cool and focused. You're dead, Dancy. 
You should have had plenty of time to meditate your anger issues away. When was that supposed to happen? You've been with me the entire five weeks that I've been dead. I mean, I've got anger issues about being kicked out of my hometown for my anger issues. Where do I even start unraveling this? The Wiz, stop antagonizing Adamska. You've got some questions to answer. Oh yeah, like what? Such as, what is the end that hungers of which those evil women spoke? And who is the hateful one? And why do all of these people, or whatever they are, want you dead? I don't know, a sad one! All six copies of the Wiz stand in a row, and each of them points with her right index finger straight down the line. Hmm. I'm still not sure which one of you is the real one. We can always start with the one at the end and work our way up. Or wait for the spell to wear off. Or we could have Adonska possess her and find out what she knows. Not much chance of that, really. The Wiz has a pretty strong will. Her psychic defenses are almost as difficult to overcome as that cleric of the many's. Your debate is interrupted by a ball of deep red light igniting beneath the surface of the oasis. Within seconds, it rises from the depths of the pool up to a typical human's head height. The sphere of magical energies sheds its warm, calming light over you as it settles in the air at the water's edge. That ball thing looks like it's full of jellied fruits. Someone should poke it with a stick! Does anybody have a stick? Pinky, your, your stick, stick searching, searching is cut off when the orb begins to emit some sort of talk. Hello? Is this thing on? You do not recognize the language of whoever is speaking but the orb must have some sort of magical property that allows your minds to grasp the meaning of the whole speech, if not the individual words and grammar. The orb focuses its light in a bullseye, illuminating the Wiz's suddenly anxious face. You have the honor of being contacted by His Excellence, Emperor Nashtif the 27th, first speaker of the tribe of the Wielands, and king of the peoples of Oadros. The Swan Shield, whose bulwarks defend us all from the humbling end. Ruler of the Grand and Holy Empire of the Allied Survivors. Crimson Magus, wake to your purpose. The Empire has sought you for years. Since the Lord High Seal Tawir Squaven foretold your wall in the grand drama of our coming history, we call you into service, not of the peoples of Voadros and the Weavens, but of all peoples across all realities. The fate of every world rests on your shoulders and the shoulders of the other foreseen champions. And thus do we compel you to find the portal of Pavos within the walled desert. Beware the sisters of the many and their master, Castellan the Hateful. Go forth, Crimson Magus, and join the Empire in our defense against the hungering end. I don't want it. You can't make me. I told them I was done with all that garbage when I left the orphanage. I don't even know why I was in that orphanage in the first place. 
My mom lived like ten minutes down the lane from there, and I saw her twice a month. That was a boarding school, young lady, not an orphanage. It was a rather expensive boarding school, too, if I remember rightly. The orb of magic has fully disappeared by this point, leaving you illuminated by nothing more than starlight. I can fix that. One of Pelvis the Bright's domain spells helps bring his light to the worlds. Now then, this sounds more pressing and maybe even a little bigger than our investigation of the Bloodgate. If I remember correctly, the Walled Desert is only a week's journey south from here. Oh, right. It was a school. Either way, either way, both ways, I don't want to be compelled to find that portal. No how, no way. I'm gonna go north. Uh, even though my feet seem to be turning south. I I'm just taking the long way around to get to the north. But I ain't gonna do nothing but look for keys on the way. Cause I don't want nothing to do with no Crimson Magus prophecy. Hey Pally, do you think there will be a key to open this gate thingy? I gotta have the keys, Pally. I just gotta. Whoa, whoa! Slow down, the whiz! Or at least stop walking away from the town until we've had a chance to look for survivors. Alright, fine. But I want to get out of this place as soon as I can. I hate being told what to do and how my grown-up life is all written out and foretold by someone I've never met. And what are you looking at, ghosty? Are you some sort of... wizard princess, the whiz? No! No! I'm not a wizard princess! Just shut up about it, okay? Exactly what a wizard princess would say! Ooh! Maybe there's a reward for her! Everybody just shut up about it! I ain't never heard something so silly in my whole life! There ain't no such thing as wizard princesses! There's princess wizards, but the other way around, it just doesn't make any sense! Wait, wait, oh, hold on a moment. Did that disembodied voice just say that the Wiz is our last hope for defending the multiverse? I believe we are in far worse trouble than we originally anticipated. No, I didn't say anything about that. Not you, Master Disembodied Voice. The other disembodied voice that just spoke. But the first voice just introduced the Emperor's voice. That first guy didn't say anything helpful. May the goddess discipline you out of your foolishness. I was speaking of the Emperor's voice. Well, he's not disembodied. Neither's the wizard who announced him. And even if they didn't have regular old bodies made out of meat and stuff, their voices still wouldn't be considered disembodied anyway, since they came out of a ball of light. You know, that ball of light should have counted enough for those voices to be embodied. Are you done? Yeah, sorry. I just get upset when people think that all voices coming from places you can't see are disembodied. Then let's head the long way north by heading south! Because my feet can't seem to turn north right now. The Wiz, come on. Oh, forget it. Adanska, Pinky, I want you two to fan out and search all of these houses for survivors. I'll cast Message so we can stay in contact in case anybody finds something. I'll slow the Wiz down as best I can and I'll meet you on the southern edge of town. Angar, Hera, you're with me on the whiz detail. On it, boss. Yes, sir, Mr. Dipson, sir! Come, Solstafir. If you block the streets, it'll slow the whiz down. If you need her to stop, Chip, I'm pretty sure I have a flask of inescapable goo somewhere in my robes. You just say the word. 
You spend the evening completing your sweep of true drifts, revealing no survivors. However, Pinky and Adonska have found a few bits and baubles in the lost and found boxes and rubbish bins on the street, worth a total of about 300 gold sovereigns. Meanwhile, the rest of the party has convinced the Wiz to stop and camp for the rest of the night. Nothing bothers your rest, and by mid-morning the next day, you find yourselves in a familiar pattern of conversation. What's the matter, Pally? You look like you've just seen a ghost. But Dansky's back in the wagon bed trying to scare that axe. Hmm? Oh, sorry, the Wiz. I was just in shock because I heard that you're our only hope to save the multiverse. I didn't do it. Whatever they told you, I didn't do it, and nobody can make me confess. Ahem. You've made an omission, Mistress Laris. The Emperor said that the fate of all rests not only on the shoulders of my pupil here, but also upon the shoulders of the other Foreseen Champions. Woo! Maybe that's us! I doubt it, Pinky. The Emperor addressed the Wiz, but didn't seem to recognize any of the rest of us. So it stands to reason that these other foreseen champions must have been contacted elsewhere. Yeah, so it's not just my responsibility to save everyone and everything. You gotta start finding those other guys, Pally. It's your duty, you know. Uh, Chip, uh, can, can you please inflict me just a little bit? Uh, my nose still hurts from when that monk punched me. Don't do it, Master Dipson. He has already asked me, and I told him the pain is a suitable penance for killing that woman. I didn't kill her, though. I just gave her a psychic lobotomy and a very distinctive burn scar across her face. And the whole reason why I did that was because she broke my nose. Don't be such a baby, Adonska. I've already done everything I can to heal your broken nose. I'm pretty sure it's just your ego and your sense of personal safety that needs some time to heal now. If you'd like some counseling, I can climb into the back of the cart with you. Actually, that sounds like a good idea. I, I still can't seem to get any sort of reaction from this ex, no matter how loudly or forcefully I say BOO to it. Have you tried making noises more like this? Give me a uh, perform ghost sound check before you start making. Well, that's not a very good human ghost noise. But for all I know, that's exactly what the ghost of a lobster sounds like. I'm not a lobster. I'm green and scaly. Exactly my point. Plus, you've got the claws and the big teeth and the wings, just like every other lobster I've seen. Plus, you can spit jets of acid from your mouth. Now, how is that not unlike a lobster? I bet you also have some big old talons, and your retirement plan is to sit around on piles of gold all day after you kick some dwarves out of the house, of course. Just like a typical lobster. You are confused, madame. I think you're the one who's confused, Lobsty. Oh, jeez, again? All right. Since the great celestial dice don't seem to want anything to bother you guys, let's skip ahead. After four days of travel, you find yourself no longer in the Golas Desert. Hooray! Instead, you have crossed the southern border into the Fire Sand Desert. From here, you can turn east along the border sands until you arrive at the Wall. Oh, excellent. A whole new, all different desert. This new desert sounds way worse. 
And more hot! Luckily, it'll only take you about a day to reach the crack from here. What's the crack? Man, there are a lot of the things around since I met you guys. It's the easiest passage into the walled desert. You see, a ring of precipitous mountains separates the walled desert from the fire sand to the south and the Golas to the north. If we take the crack, we'll only have to climb 2,000 units upward at a 35% grade, rather than 9,000 units upward at a 62% grade. But once we're up there, we've got about mm, 16,000 units of flat travel through a 15-unit wide fissure in the mountains. And in that day of travel... Huh. So weird. Nothing happens again. Alright, this is just odd. I wonder if something scared off all the wildlife. There should be roving packs of jackals and the occasional rover out there. I wonder what happened to all those bandits, too. There were like 150 of them camped about a day and a half south of True Gross. Anyway, you reached the crack without any significant incident. Holy moly, that's a weird way for mountains to grow. Indeed. It appears that some typically hot-headed and inarticulate god decided to smite the Ring of Mountains with his enormous axe. Please do not talk about axes. It is a trigger for me ever since I was killed by one. Nobody knows how the crack formed in the wall, though, is. But the portal of Pavos lies somewhere out there, and it's our duty to find it. We need to climb that terrifyingly narrow set of switchbacks up to the pass at the base of the crack. I'd better make myself invisible. This place looks perfect for an ambush. I'll take point and scout ahead since I can fly faster than most of you can walk. A good plan, Pinky. I'll phase downward and see if I can hear anything coming through the tremors in the ground. Invisibility and the element of surprise, eh? I think I've brewed up something for that. Ah, here it is. Lady Hera. Would you care to be the first sapient test subject for Flamehand's notion of hiding? It was supposed to conceal wrinkles and other blemishes, but it seems the batch of distilled magic I used was a little too concentrated. Not even if I was the last clear-headed sapient being on the plane and you were the last mad scientist. Solstafir and I will meet any challenges head-on. I'll hang back with the wagon since I'm vertically challenged. But Pelvis the Bright shall keep us safe with the blessing of the Owl's Awareness. You travel for half a day, climbing very slowly toward the floor of the crack. Your wagon skids a few times as you climb the precipitous cliffside, but you manage to avoid breaking a wheel or falling off or breaking an axle or something. Pinky and Dodonska, since you guys are the scouts, give me some spot checks. What is that over there? That bit of rocks looks different from the rest. Yeah, and the thermal pattern suggests that there might be some sort of cave entrance. Yep, definitely a cave, but cunningly hidden by stonecraft. You can't really see it unless you're looking from the right angle, or if you have information. We'd better tell everybody else. Tell everybody else what, Adonska? Oh, for crying out. How is it even useful for us to scout ahead if you guys are just following 40 units and 12 seconds behind us? So, Pinky, you're trying to tell me that you got the infravision and you ain't a lobster? Typical greedy lying lobsters. Dragon, the whiz. I'm a dragon. 
Like I said, liar. You ain't got that exoskeleton or the eight fingery legs or the big pincers or nothing. You ain't no dragon I never seen. And you can't convince me you are one unless someone boils you alive and cracks you open to serve you up with garlic and butter. Mm-mm. Let's get to investigating our latest scoop. The fissure in the crack in the wall around the walled desert, uh, hmm. We really need to figure out a better headline for that one. Preferably something with a verb in it. Uh, luckily, we've got time to brainstorm and do rewrites. Adonska, Pinky, you guys are our location scouts. How about you see if there's a good spot to record our next newscast? On it, Chip. Yes, sir, Mr. Dipson, sir! Just let me put on the old pixie invisibility again. Once, Once the, the ghost, ghost and the invisible, invisible pixie, pixie have, have ventured 20 paces into the fissure, a shallow, shallow rumbling erupts from deep within the cave. Within seconds, four enormous ant-like creatures burst forth from the fissure, each brandishing a crude spear in its hand-like forelegs. They look backward and wiggle their antennae as if signaling to someone behind them. Gah! Get back, you fiends! Go find a giant having a picnic if you want to bother somebody. Pinky, why are you not even helping me? Because I'm trying to stay hidden, Mr. I Glow Blue in Dark Caves. Besides, can't you possess one of them or something? No, I cannot. I am only able to possess beings that are of a similar size and physiology to myself. So, unless you have some highly advanced gorilla people hiding in your invisible satchel, I can only possess our friends right now. Okay, two things. One, these ant people are people, so there's a pretty good chance that at least one of them speaks common. Adonska, you may not want to give away the fact that one of you guys is invisible. Two, since you just made some noise while hiding, Pinky, you should make a talk quietly check. Ghost, you have trespassed in the colony of the Xanderum Formix. Leave now, or our clerics shall destroy you. Pinky? Pinky, where did you go? I, I really don't like the way that one giant ant person's antennae are growing and twitching. Chip? Chip, I am coming out! Please protect me from the oncoming exorcism! Oh, precious Persephone's pomegranate picnic. As a paladin, I fear nothing. However, I quite often find myself... How did you put it, the whiz? I find myself quite squicked out by insects. Detect evil. What do you say, Pally? Hmm, interesting. None of these ant people seem to be wicked or purely sinful. Perhaps a diplomatic approach is appropriate? Diplomacy may not be a bad idea. Anybody care to give you a throw? Oh, great and many-legged people of the crack in the wall. I am Chip Dipson, and these are my Action Town Criers. We humbly seek your forgiveness for our trespassing, and we entreat you for directions to the portal of Pavos. In return, we can trade news of the outside world and some limited supplies. We will also avail you of our investigative services if you have need of them. Please, put up your weapons and let us pass. The Queen has declared that none shall pass this threshold while the servants of Kazalan transact their business. She is the Queen and so we obey. All who enter our domains unbidden shall perish. 
The lead Formic hoists its spear aloft and hurls it from the mouth of the cave, straight into Chip's left thigh. Ow! The trustworthy halfling collapses to the ground with his quadriceps rent wide open. Oh dear, it sounds like these ant people have made an alliance with the servants of the many. Ahem, we do not wish to fight you, my good Formic, but if you insist upon combat, then from the depths of my scholar's robes shall I produce a flask of Engar's excellent pest repellent. Oh dear, if I can find it, that is. I really need to label these bottles with a larger font, and perhaps line my robes with some bioluminescent moss. Well, Angar, using gas on these guys sounds like a pretty good idea. I'll get the process started for you, since I'm already at the mouth of this cave. But Pinky, how do you propose to create a toxic mist? When you're all the way back there, and my alchemy kit is all the way back in the cart. Easy! With my lobster breath! Blah! Wait, what did I just say? You finally admitted that you're not some sort of overgrown sea insect that people boil alive, crack open, make into a bisque with some tomatoes, and serve up at fancy dinners. Like I've been saying all along, Pinky, you're a lobster! The half-dragging pixie's acidic mist quickly floods the mouth of the cave, driving all but three of the Formix into the depths of their hive. Pinky then retreats invisibly to the safety of her friends. Um, excuse me, voice. It's a colony. These guys are ants. It's only a hive if they're wasp people or bee people. Actually, we do consider such dwellings as we construct to be hives. Your disembodied voice did not misspeak. Well, you learn something new every day. And you're about to learn why the Wiz is a colony unto herself. Because she can cast mirrors. The Wiz, you say. The allies of our queen have declared your destruction. As our queen commands, shall we obey? Yeah! The lead Formic soldier closes in on one of the five wizards, snapping its mighty mandible straight through her illusory neck. Sorry, Auntie. Auntie? Aiden? Whatever the division version of one of your species is, you missed. I ain't dying today, and you're going on a trip. The best way to deal with ants is to blow them away out of sight. So look out, you'll get picked up by this wicked wind wall. The four remaining wizards take their positions in a 20 ILDM line, weaving their hands in complicated patterns until each has conjured three small balls of swirling dust. They juggle the dust devils in complicated, ever-changing patterns for a while, before passing the ever-growing orbs of wind back and forth, up and down the line. Then, all at once, they snatch the globes of wind from the air and slam them into the ground. A great, whooshing barrier of wind blows upwards, knocking two of the Formix back and blowing the lead soldier up into the air to land somewhere far away. Give me some spot checks. Anybody see where he landed? I lost him in the sun and shadows. Oh dear, I think he landed near the cliffside when we left the cart. I hope my portable alchemy station is all right. Well, everything should be safe with Ox and his axe guarding the wagon. And the camel can help guard it as well, I suppose. 
It certainly spits far enough to keep Solstafir and myself at bay. Adansk, can you get to the other side of the wind wall? Absolutely, Chip. And I may even be able to disable another of our enemies if I get into position first. Adanska sinks Shindy into the ground, then moves to the sheer wall of the cliffside. He plunges his forearms and skull into the rock, and his body begins to glow with a deep purple light. You look toward your foes, and one of them is wreathed in the same purple aura. I am attuned to your space, Formic. And now we dimension swap! Alex, no! Adonska and the ant-like soldiers swap places, leaving the insectoid fused with the side of the cliff at the molecular level. Its body and limbs spasm wildly for a few minutes from the sudden shock of being disconnected from its central nervous system. But with its, I guess let's say, hands and feet stuck into the stone cliffside, its flailing is easily avoidable and very contained. Within a few moments, its thrashing ceases. We still have one enemy remaining. Anybody have a plan? Aha! I finally found my flask of Flamehands Formic Fungal Fertilizer. If you could get this to the other side, Dave Morris, then we could test it out. It's supposed to spread, then accelerate the growth of a particular breed of mushroom spore, which is uniquely lethal to ants, aphids, wasps, honeybees, sawflies, and... It should be perfectly harmless to all other species. The combined weight of Solstafir and my plate armor should be enough to get me through the wind wall. I'll throw your bottle at the prone ant-like soldier person thing, but I don't like the way you said should. As a paladin, I am immune to disease. However, I am uncertain as to whether a fungal infection counts as a disease per se or as a poisoning. Fear not, Lady Hera, for Paldus the Bright shall fortify you with the endurance of the mighty bear, and a quickened ward against poisoning is following on the first spell's heels. If you two weren't men, I'd swear that we were working together as seamlessly as the three aspects of the Triple Goddess. Come, Solstafir, let us ride towards our enemy. Girded by the might of cooperation and friendship. Hera puts the spurs to her golden warbird and charges Solstafir headlong into the wind wall. She gently cradles Engar's flask of insecticide in her steel-backed leather gauntlets, protecting it from the wild whippings of uprising air. She bursts forth from the far side of the wall, rearing her mount up high, his mighty beak gleaming sharply in the sun's fading light. The paladin then hurls the file of chemicals into the belly of the prone ant warrior. It shatters, engulfing the whole area between the cave entrance and the wind wall in a sickly lavender cloud. Unless you go over there and grab all of the keys for me. No, 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 my dear. This effect was quite expected. It seems to be going off without a hitch. Not bad for the third iteration of the formula. Now, if Dame Laris is still conscious, uh, she should be getting back right about uh, now. Uh, uh, perhaps my calculations were off. M maybe it's now. Ah, uh, rat. Back to the drawing board. 
Uh, how toxic is that stuff supposed to be, Angar? Because Pinky and I are small enough that we'll be swept up in the air currents, and you and the Wiz aren't exactly the most hardy members of the Criers. The Wiz, how long is that wall supposed to last? Uh, I think we got about another 50 seconds on that. Maybe give or take 10. Uh, of course, factoring in how long it took me to say this. We've got no time to lose, then. If Hera is unconscious and breathing in toxic fumes, then every second counts. Your stirring speech is violently interrupted by Solstathir crashing through the wind wall. Hera is still mounted atop him, seemingly unharmed and breathing normally. She rears up, presenting her holy mount's left wing to the party. Sorry about the delay, loves. I ran into a friend and had to have a word with him before I could pick him up. And I reminded him that were I not a paladin, such up-picking would not have been possible. Hera turns Solstafir around, revealing the easily frustrated ghost of Adonska Rothgeld, with the scruff of his jerkin held tightly in her gauntleted fist. Okay, Lady Hera, I'm sorry I tried to possess you while you couldn't see me. It was wrong and it violated Action Town Crier Rule number 14. When interacting with fellow criers, never possess anybody, peer into their dreams, scry on them, or miniaturize yourself to explore their living bodies without express permission first. Can you please let me down now? The, the holy power of your triple goddess is singeing the hairs from the back of my neck. Hera, Adonska. Thank the combined might of alchemical science and two to four gods, depending on how you count the triple goddess, that you two are safe. Now, we should get back to the wagon, see if Ox and the Camel are safe, and rest up. Because tomorrow, we're heading into that cave to investigate. Find the portal of Pavos, report to that emperor that summoned the Wiz, and spread, spread the news! Spread the news! Visit the 20-Sided Theatre online at 20sidedtheatre.com. You can also follow us on Twitter through scryomagical links that Imanand and Thrimlock have established. You can follow the 20-Sided Theatre at 20-Sided Theatre. The insuperable Romande Zwarfinde at Illustrious Row. Master Imanand Shinuda at Shinuda Necroco. Thrimlock Catherine at Thrimlock, Issa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot, and Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. The Twenty Sided Theatre is a joint production of Bear Industries and the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Caridwen Quatrin, Kean Quatrin, and Rory Quadrin, with special thanks to John Abenante for letting us mention Ox Falbjorn. Original adventure and story by Blake Parker. Script adaptation by Rory Quadrin. Edited by Blake Parker. Music by Bera, Ben Briggs, Detenado, Dragline. I'm Matt O'Neill. Matt Moore Raw. NWP 8861 Stephen O'Brien 
and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20 Sided Theater. If you don't, I will assume that you would prefer to simply donate your components instead. I shall have Grimlock open a portal to your current location so my embalmed necromages can harvest whichever of your parts that they deem useful. Join us next time at the 20-Sided Theater! Greetings, mortals. Are you in dire need of protection? Do you fear your ever-encroaching dare? Then you should scry the Shenouda Necromancy Hail, henchmen and potential henchmen from across the airwaves! This is Professor E. Slide again. Founder, owner, primary beneficiary, and chief experimental officer of Sliding Tech Industries and its subsidiaries, coming to you with an exciting announcement! Wait, where's my copy? I could swear I left that clipboard right around here somewhere. Sonar, get in here! Sir, you installed all those smart surface omni-monitors last month. You said to get rid of anything made from paper or wood pulp, which is why we have neither your clipboard nor that cheap build-it-yourself garbage in the henchman's lounge anymore. Oh, right. Well, those lazy henchmen don't deserve to sit down until they've mined enough plastic for my next series of experiments! Back to the plastic mines, you henchmen! Now, what was I doing? Oh, oh, right. If every surface is a computer screen now, then I should just be able to jab at this wall for a few seconds and... There! The whole script is scrawled across the entire surface of the North Wall! Let's see here. Hail henchmen, blah blah blah. Ah, here it is. <clears throat> no massive shadowy corporate conglomerate just appears out of thin air. They are established and grown over the course of years! And Sliding Tech Industries is no different in its innocuous mom-and-pop roots. When I inherited a dilapidated old warehouse and a failing potato farm from my great-uncle Cuthbert, I took those potatoes and I did something both wonderful and profitable. You added some water and sugar and made potato eggs, sir? Incorrect, Sam Sonar. Well, actually, it was correct. I did make potato aid, but it sold horribly. So I returned to the laboratory. Uh, 
I mean, to the kitchen, and I started working out new recipes and potato-based theories. In short, I did science! We at Sliding Tech Industries are pleased to announce the latest iteration of the current fashion in reboots and rebranding. I bring you Edwin's friendly, non-harmful, science-based potato company, now legally classified as foodstuffs. We are expanding our markets, and with that, we are expanding our workforce. Many bottom-paying jobs and hench positions are opening at the many sliding tech campuses across this, our great nation. Sona, remember to edit in whatever country these messages are going out to. And make sure you label the files this time. We don't want another problem like last time in the Faroe Islands. Sir, I keep telling you, you've got to actually record yourself saying all those countries if you want me to edit them in. Oh, drat! I knew I was forgetting to do something. Sona, you take a quick break while I make a list of countries! Way ahead of you, sir. Hmm, kinda hungry. I guess I can try one of these potato energy bars. I kinda like the little picture on the wrapper. Who doesn't love a light bulb sticking out of a potato on an energy bar? <coughs> Sir, what the hell is up with this food? It's all crispy and hot at the corners at first, and then slippery and grainy, and then it still leaves your mouth dry at the end. How the hell can something be slippery and dry at the same time? Plus it tastes like a weak old sports bra. Our legal team reminds you that our potatoes and potato-based products are for scientific purposes only. Ingestion may cause friction bowel, either high syndrome or low, depending on the way you fry them up. Our legal team also reminds you that friction bowel is a patented affliction of Queasyco International, a subsidiary of Sliding Tech Industries. They didn't go through all those patents and lawsuits just for you to get a patented disease free of charge! Anyway, if you need a job that pays slightly worse than minimum wage, offers mediocre health benefits, has no retirement plan, and provides generous life insurance payouts to your next of kin, then submit your resume today! Undead and robots need not apply. Undead robots need not apply twice! Who was that? And how did he interrupt my scryocastic advertisement for undead enhancements? Marlene, you must immediately scry Master Lenanian and Father Maldreth. We must see if we can triangulate the signal of this Professor Sly. With nothing to break up the monogamy. I've been married to Torea for three weeks now, and I don't know how that happened. <laughs> she won't let me out of the house. I don't know how we even got a house onto this boat. 